All right, we are live and rolling back on the Run Fast podcast. We are joined here with Byron Grievous of Phillips Exeter, class of 2024, rising senior. Um, we're excited to get him on, a big name in Northeast running community right now in the sort of the high school range of things as we're speaking. I'm Evan. I'm Miles. And we're your hosts of the Run Fast podcast. Byron, we'll give you the floor to kind of introduce yourself, give any information about yourself or what you want the audience to know before we jump in with the questions. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited just to talk about my journey in high school running so far. So yeah, I'm Byron. Um, I'm originally from Connecticut, um, but like Evan said, I go to Phillips Exeter Academy, which is a boarding school up in New Hampshire. Um, so I'm a boarding student there. Um, and yeah, I'll be a rising senior going to my fourth year of like actually running in high school, having played soccer before that. But yeah, that's my little introduction, I guess. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. yeah, we'll get right into it. Um, so something we, we usually like to start our, our podcast off with, because um, a lot of our audience is from the Northeast. Um, how has being a Northeast uh, running native really shaped you as a runner? Yeah, I mean, going into high school, I didn't think it affected me so much. And I didn't think, I didn't realize it until really the winter coming out of like COVID. So I guess sophomore year, um, the opportunities that we get to like compete on a high level indoors um, is especially um, big for me, like being able to go to BU, um, going to Harvard, going to the Armory um, and having world-class athletes, not just to compete against, but also watch. Like I got to see Woody Kincaid and Grant Fisher when they broke their uh, American records, same with Yard and the Goose. Uh, and then outside of that, I feel the community here, I don't know if it's because our states are so small um, and we always like, see each other because you go to meets like in Massachusetts or Connecticut and but I feel it's really interconnected like I know a lot of guys from Connecticut even though I go to school in New Hampshire same with Massachusetts um guys like Paul Bergeron Nathan Lopez um Aiden Cox up in New Hampshire and I don't know I I feel really blessed to be a part of the Northeast community in general I I, I feel like we don't get talked about enough for just like the quality um, that we produce. Um, but I mean, yeah, besides the the harsh winters and, and having to compete indoors most of the time and going out and doing workouts like <laughs> when it's snowing in the winter, um, yeah, I really like it. Yeah, so we had um, on our last episode, we had Henry Winner Brooks Beast and he went to Staples. So he's a Westport native. He's like right there. Um, he said he grew up in the circuit and he said, a lot and a lot of other guys have noted the sherry's noted that um like like compared to other regions of the country the northeast is super super gritty like we have a lot more hills and so i mean calum sherry said when you look at the national timetables you're seeing yourself getting waxed um and a, and a lot of that so have you noticed like an impact on like the northeast the general like hilliness or the types of courses you encounter in cross country and how that compares to the rest of the the parts of the country that you've raced on yeah i think um unique with uh prep schools um, is how cross country, like we're doing dual meets. We don't get any like media from flow track or mile split. No one really, we, our races don't even get like posted some, most of the times. So it's like <laughs> for like a month in September and October, like I'm not racing any big meets. Like I got actually injured when I, before the first like big cross country meet last year, which was Manchester Invitational, um, in New Hampshire. And so like, I had basically no times, um, at least on mile split or whatever, <laughs> before going to um, like the New England Prep School Championships 
we ran that again courses not too fast um at st paul's um and then going to nxr was like the first big cross-country meet i think i didn't actually other than running lanes but if you can even call that like a cross-country race um (laughs) (laughs) but wappinger falls hands down hardest like cross-country nxr course in the nation and so coming out of that i think around 15 like 28 um for second behind Devin Diego going into NXN that was like one of the slowest times out of any of like the top two runners um <laughs> and so I don't know I can't really say it's demoralizing because I know like you get things like Thule runners have their course ratings and you can compare that a little bit um but the grit that I think us as like New, uh, New England like Northeast runners get from those courses like Wappinger Falls or Van Cortland Park or uh, Homedale Park in New Jersey is like that's what made it so like when I went to NXN even though I came in with like a 15 mid-time when guys like Simeon <laughs> ran like 14 something at what like there were like 10 guys who ran 14s um going into NXN I just put my head down and was like I can compete with them just because I know throughout the season even though I wasn't getting talked about too much like from running media it's like you 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 know if you're from the northeast yeah Yeah, i feel like that's something definitely people don't consider you know weighing in like when you're looking at the timetable you know saying people running 1530s and and then you got people running you know 1430s and them still considering them to be on the same level is just you know like how is that possible and that's i feel like that's why you know we get overlooked a lot but you know moving on to you know focus on Exeter, you know, your time at Exeter. Um, can you share some of your most memorable experiences um, in your time so far at Exeter? Yeah, um, cross country is probably my favorite season because of the team we have at Exeter. The camaraderie like built around, it's almost like our tradition um, goes so deep. And so we have a lot of very like, unique and strange, I guess some people could say, um, like traditions around um, our cross-country team. We have certain workouts. We go to this place called Scammon's Farm, um, which is our like go-to workout to get fit. Um, and it's, it's literally just like a, like a hay farm. We just have permission to run on it. And so we do our hill fart looks there. We have a road in northern New Hampshire, probably... 25 minutes away from campus we hop on a bus um and go to this dirt road in the middle of the woods rolling hills i guess it's like i like to call it the the new the new hampshire like magnolia road almost it's our tempo um we go out and back and i think things like that build the the relationship i have with my teammates and specifically i guess one of my favorite moments was like sophomore year um going to this state park um it's i think it's a volcano like it's a rim of a volcano obviously dormant but um it's one of our last runs we do um of the season it's our long run i think it's 12 miles and it's basically like a mountain run because my coach he's an alaskan native and so he brings a whole different side to running like ultra marathoning just being an outdoorsman he was a commercial fisherman for a long time and so i think it brings some of that ruggedness that i guess 
the Northeast alone has, but our team, I think, has double that because of Coach Newbold. And so we we got to the state park, um, and I mean, he was just like, "Here's a rough idea of like the route we're gonna do. We don't exactly have a map, and we just like <laughs> ran up this dormant volcano uh, for twelve and a half miles, made our way back somehow. But I think." <laughs> If, like that's a testament to the sort of program we have and I don't know I think it's helped uh, me mentally but yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot of cool memories um sorry I, if I'm just rambling but uh every time we go to nationals um with a team NXN we were really close to qualifying um got third so we were we were like crossing our fingers for an at-large bid but because teams in like California ran so much quicker they like didn't even take a look at us, but like going to New Balance Indoor Nationals with a team, with with a team, like just hanging around in the hotel, like playing Xbox, then going to like the actual like <laughs> it's crazy because we were playing um, Fortnite the night before, like the a couple hours before we went to um, run our DMR. We actually we got fourth and place all American, and it's just like things like that, and after hanging around with the team, going to dinner, going to Nike Outdoor Nationals this this past like June uh, with a good amount of our runners. I think we had like seven people there. Um, and really just living with them, knowing we're going to have to compete in an event, but just it's a – I think going to boarding school specifically, like I know them when they're at school um, and just seeing them outside and the experiences that we have, like – and Eugene were, were really cool. Yeah. Um, I was going to touch on any, like, obviously the New England has a deep, like a deep tradition of fast running. You have guys like, um, like Loomis's own Matt Farrell, you have Alex Fleury, you have like a bunch of just different guys from Exeter, but can you touch on any mentors you've had in your time at Exeter who've kind of helped you shape your idea of running and sort of helped you push your career forward? So I, th- I think the, the myth of Will Coogan, um, who's now at UNC, uh, he that was sort of a, a big name that um, I heard like going into the program my freshman year because he he graduated when I was going in to Exeter, um, but guys like Varun Oberai who's now at, at Yale, uh, Connor Chen running at Princeton, Bradley Saint Laurent who's at um, Williams. Those are some of my like met like Kamran Murray as well. Jesus, uh, he's at Cornell. Uh, those are like the guys over the years. It was funny. Bradley was my tour guide uh, when I was like touring Exeter, thinking of applying. Um, and I, I don't know, I've built such a close relationship with him, with Kamran, who was a postgraduate from from California. Um, and over over that year, uh, we just built like a great relationship. Um, and I think he's helped guide me, whether it's like through recruiting, through just like managing how to be a student athlete, going through a school like Exeter, academically rigorous and also competing at a high level. So guys like Yavarun, Connor, Bradley, and Kamran really helped me and like I think pushed me in that great direction. I mean, I could I could keep shouting out other guys. Sorry, sorry, like, <laughs> but <laughs> it would take so long. Croy, I'm sorry. More than Mario. Yeah, that's a bit. That's a big part of our podcast. The shout outs. Yeah, shout out to Brad. First episode OG of the yeah. podcast. Um. He, he was awesome to have. He's a great, some yeah. great experiences. Um, yeah, so how would you describe sort of the Exeter's 
team culture. I mean, you've touched, you've touched on it a little bit with the traditions, but how is your individual sort of goals aligned with the team's goals? I mean, it's closer um, than I would ever <laughs> ask for. I think like Enic, um, because our team is so close, things like, I guess, champs or like individual um, championships go, sort of goes out of the window and not that, not in vain, like not that I would rather go there. I was, I've been talking to guys about next year, like where they're going to go, if they're going to go to NXN, go to champs. They're all urging me to go to champs. And like, I know I can't do that just because my team needs me to run at NXR and I want to run with them because um, we built such a great relationship over the season. I think going back to just how the structure of prep school running is like doing dual meets and doing smaller meets and having tradition um, alone sort of, I don't know, instills in me and in the, in like coaching the bold as well. And the program that it's really the team as well. I'm like, can go to a national meet and perform and I'm still a part of the team and I'm grateful for that. And just knowing that some athletes don't have that. Um, and I, I, yeah, going, I think cross country has helped a lot with that. So moving on to the training and racing, uh, aspect front side of things, you know, um, let's talk about your training. You know, what about your training has led you to find the success that you found, um, in racing, whether it be in your coaching Re- recovery, what, what is your sort of training emphasis when it comes to like the day-to-day stuff? I have to like give all the brains behind it to coach Newbold. I do really whatever he says. And I think it's made it so sustainable for me. Um, I wouldn't say a laid back approach is what it is, but realizing that I'm, I only have four years to run in high school and making it really fun, as fun as possible. So like freshman year was really important to lay the foundation. And I don't know, I don't want to say like COVID helped, but not being able to compete so, um, so much, I think did a little bit like cross country didn't race at all. We did a couple time trials going into winter. I didn't even race winter freshman year. I went back home actually for the whole term and did like online, online Exeter because we had the choice. So I just kept training. Um, and then we went into spring and like, I had my first high school meet that spring. Um, and then going into that summer and it's keeping them like, I guess, for the the details like the mileage piece of it um before high school i w- i didn't really run i was fit because of soccer um that was the main sport i got introduced and exposed to the sport through my parents and like local 5k's um but from a training side that didn't come until freshman year so it was really starting with the like the 30s um 35 miles then sophomore year getting into 40 45 um, and I think when I started to get to the level where I was able to go to national meets, running lane was the first one for cross country. Um, New Balance Indoor was the first one for, for track. I ran the two mile there and I think that was not a make or break moment, but it shifted my perspective of like what this sport can be in high school and like what I can make out of it. I, I just, from, from that point, I was like, I got to make this as fun as possible. I can't like just be 
so tunnel vision on like, I need to get this place, I need to get this time so coaches can reach out to me. I'm like, I'm in the armory right now. People are like watching me, like I'm about to run a race and people want to see me. And so, and I'm in a great facility in the city. So things like that uh, have really helped. Um, I think also slowly building up now, like uh, the spring of my junior season, um, I was sort of at the, I'm at the, I was at the highest mileage um, of like 55. I did a couple weeks at 55 to get ready for doing 5Ks um, and then things like that. So I haven't really been injured uh, high school and in high school. I think the couple of injuries I've had were, were growing pains. I got Osgood Slaughters coming into high school. Um, I had a hip thing, not because of running. That was more because of skiing. And then I tried to run after that. But um, I think from like overtraining that hasn't happened. And I want to like thank Coach Newbold as, as much as I can because of that. And I also really take my recovery pretty seriously. Um, sleep being like the most important always, especially during the school year with all the stress that's built up from academics. Um, getting at least, like at least nine hours every night is really important to me. Rolling is like right after I have to grab my roller. Uh, I, I have mobility, keeping my hips, especially after um, the injury I had from skiing. It was really like the iliopsoas, which is a muscle that's connected to your spine and your hips. I Mobility is also one of the biggest things. Um, and I'm blessed that the trainers at Exeter, we have like Normatec um, and like the air compression things and doing ice baths and contrast therapy and, and things like that. But that's all secondary um, to like being able to have a strong foundation um, and, and not be injured and knowing that hopefully I'll still have over 10 years to run and knowing that it's like not make or break right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so kind of bringing it back in the timeline to when you were playing soccer, um, what was that, what was that sort of switch like for you? And when, I mean, when did the, did running kind of collide as something that could be your main sport? Soccer was my whole life since like from kindergarten or even before that. I uh, played on my travel team when I was in elementary school. I was able to go to an academy um, going into middle school and I played there for three years. Um, and I, I really loved soccer. I, it helped me like with the, the team side of it that has like sort of carried over with what I feel now um, at Exeter. Um, but I think the, the biggest switch came my the eighth grade spring when COVID was just starting. I, like I said before, I was exposed to running through my parents at like local 5Ks that you can always go to in your town and running there. I did Junior Olympics uh, a little bit in the summer of my, like of seventh grade. Um, and so I, like I ran the 15 and that was really fun. And so not that I was losing the love for, for soccer, but somewhat with like the coaching situation at the team I was at and like just the team vibe in general, I was like, I had a lot of fun last summer with this sport. What if I sort of take this out of the picture and, and put my focus on, on this new sport? And it happens to be really great timing because I mean, with COVID, 
everything shut down. So I wouldn't even be playing soccer in general. So I started to just figure out what I can do with running. And going into that summer, I got like emails from Coach Newbold about like how to start summer training. And I think that was the biggest switch was like, not that I was losing love, love for the sport, but the exposure that I got before and realizing I really love it pushed me sort of into taking a new step forward. Touching more on the racing part of things, um, you know, you've obviously passed track season, cross country season, you're running a ton of you know, national meets, huge meets, um, in addition to those um, you know, prep school meets. So over the years, you know, what have you found to be you know, your routine, your, um, you know, what works best for you going into race week? And then you know, does that differentiate when you go into you know, just a dual meet with Andover and then a, a, you know, NXR or NXN? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think so on like a normal school week, it's say it's a Friday and I know I'm going to have like a dual meet or a try meet with like a couple prep schools. Uh I don't try to make anything different cuz I have I like to take everything sort of similarly. I can't say that entirely just because going into a dual meet it's it's a little different, but I always have the the same meal. I just try to make it like pasta and get some sort of lean protein in. And then I go to bed with having done Norma Tech or rolling out, just trying to get any kinks out that I feel in my legs. Um, getting the nine hours of sleep really important to me and having a great breakfast of whether it's like oatmeal or like toast and almond butter, keeping it really simple. Um, and then going to the meat and not sort of, this is something that has changed, I think, it started my junior year where I don't try to tune everything out and put in my AirPods and just try to make it a different vibe than it is already. I, I really just sink into whatever is going on, take my energy from the atmosphere, um, and make, ha make, like have as much fun as I, I can. Like I said before with like dual meets, I think, my ideology is different going into it, knowing that like, I don't want to run all out by myself for an entire race. So it's like sort of practicing my kick or doing different things like that. But going into a national meet, um, I keep the sort, same sort of framework where I don't try to artificially change like the vibe, I guess is the vibe's not the greatest word for it, but like, I don't really listen to music anymore. And that's a little weird, but I just try to sink in to the moment um, and like not try to get myself too worked up and serious over it uh, and like knowing that it's going to be painful and really sink into the pain and welcoming it and like trying to push harder and as much as I can just because I know after the race it's like oh what's the one quote Paul Chalimo says it's like work uh, suffer now or work now or suffer for the rest of your life and I always think about that when I'm hurting in a race um and I it goes back to like how sustainable I think I've been able to to keep my like the sport for me it's it's not burnout is a big fear and it's figuring out ways to not burn out and going into a race is a big part of that because if you're always worked up 
I feel like you're going to get too scared to even want to do it again to a high level. And so, I mean, yeah, that's sort of like my, my race, pre-race. Yeah, live in the moment. Exactly, yeah. And so for a student who's navigating a lot of academic stress, like a, a lot of these national athletes typically won't endure as much academic stress as someone who goes to a prep school just because of the academic rigor that's offered at schools like that, at schools like Exeter. And so how do you sort of find a, a good balance between your maintaining a high level of running and making sure your training is as of the utmost priority, but also keeping those academics um, as, as you're working as hard as you can on the academic side as well is that does that mean sacrifice in the classroom with running with with social life or how do, how does you navigate that balance i can't lie it's really difficult um i think i struggle the most sophomore year with that um but as i've gone throughout exeter like you learn certain things on like how to how to get through it easier how to how to do homework not fa- like not to go around certain assignments but like (laughs) understanding where to put all your time and to succeed in both in the classroom and on the track or on the course and like freshman year with covid i think academics was like my sole focus i was really scared with not being able to fit in academically at exeter and so not that because and running at that point wasn't so central i wasn't thinking this could be like a turning point in my life and it could how how central it could be um and so yeah that, that freshman year I was really focused on my grades and my homework not that I'm not now but with like going into sophomore year um and going to nationals it was sort of like a switching of the focus I, I was like I can't be staying up till one every night working on homework like this is not sustainable for me as an athlete as well as a student um and so that was a big transition and it was really difficult in my second year um, of high school. And I'm grateful I've been able to work it out, um, whether it's like reaching out to my friends who are so intelligent and just being able to help me through certain assignments and getting reviews from my teacher and just reaching out and not being scared to do so has helped me manage my time, manage my sleep. And then also knowing when the bell rings, like, or like when I'm done with classes, like I can put my priority back onto running and not be stressed on like a test. Um, Knowing I have time, I've set schedules like with a friend or to study in the library or with my teacher to go over something. Um, So it is very stressful academically um, to also succeed at Exeter um, and then also be an athlete. but I've made it work, and I hope, hopefully can continue that for senior year and, and finish on a strong note. We're living on our own, man. Like, we don't, we don't got our parents cooking for us every night, but um, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, I'd say it's, I mean, it's very mature of you to say that, just given that being an independent at a boarding school and not having your parents around, it's much easier to kind of dilute your, your priorities and, and stay up. But, you know, I, I think it's very mature to sort of, I mean, find that balance on your own, so... I mean, how did I mean? How did you find that sort of um, that discipline? Does it does it take time to develop? Because a lot of people are sort of, I mean, looking to see that and looking to improve their own discipline. I think it comes from my peers. Not sometimes it's not positive. It's like f- like having a friend and seeing them 
like trying to help them, but seeing them struggle because of like time management or because they're staying up um, and seeing like for some people like boarding school doesn't work so well because they're just not ready yet for an independent lifestyle. And like, I think it's working with like either friends or like a dorm parent or having role models as well, just to make sure you're planted and centered. Um, and it also just came from like fear of like, Ooh, like I don't want to risk like getting sick or like, just being too tired to go to this test or like wake up and sleeping through classes and not being able to run well. Because I, I think as athletes, knowing that like showing up to practice and just feeling horrible, whether that's because like you didn't eat well or you didn't sleep well, things that you can like easily change is like the worst feeling. And I, a couple times if I felt that, I'm like, what can I do to change that? So in the future, I can show up to this workout and put my 100% into it, or I can show up to this test and have a great understanding and like feel confident. And so, I mean, yeah, there's, there's certain things where it's like, I don't know if it's from like my parents or peers um, or other role models where it's like taught me um, like how to manage my time or if it's just like fear, but I don't want to, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that make that makes sense. Um, and so, I mean, kind of, I mean, that sort of touches on like the mentality question I'm, I'm wanting to ask you. But um, when when you're having like not every day in running is going to be a great day. Like a lot of days, you're just going to not want to be out the get out the door, not going to want to do your running or do the extra the extra little things to make sure your body is good to go. Um, on those bad days, um, is there some sort of motivation or is it the discipline that kind of gets you through and I mean, how do you respond to adversity mentally? My first two years of high school, having the role models I talked about before was so necessary for me, knowing that I have to look up to in workouts and running, being able to talk to them um, and be like, hey, I don't feel so good. Do you know why? Like, should I be worried about this? And either getting like constructive feedback and things I could change and not worrying about like I don't have to <laughs> I don't have to hit every workout 100% if I'm just not feeling it and junior year having oh sorry I mean I think it's it was harder for me um like in summer training um coming off of like the two-week break that I take and then starting up again and feeling like ooh. Losing my fitness doesn't feel great. I should be able to run this pace and my heart rate shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't feel like I need to stop every second. And I would get really scared. Um, but trusting the process of like, hey, I'm not thinking, I don't have to compete at my highest level until December. And it's early July right now. Things like that. Um, and having role models like I talked about before. Coach, like my coach being one of the biggest just he's so open to talk to um and i can just be as raw um and honest to him of just like yeah I, i'm not feeling this or i i think i can hit another at this pace and having the communication between coach noble and i like is 
I'm very like grateful for. Um, and it's helped me with my mentality. I, I, I said before, I guess my race mentality is a little different. It's like, I guess Paul Tolimo is one of my like, um, mentors that I look, I look up to. And that quote I, that I said before, I think it's like, oh, yeah, work now or suffer for the rest of your life. And, um, guys like Lopez. Yeah. Yeah. And Lopez Lamont, I read his like autobiography, um, last summer and he was uh, a lost kid of of sudan and his whole story of like coming to america and just has helped like with my mentality um yeah i, I don't know but i i have i'm just glad for the mentors that that i've i've had in, in high school and, and beyond yeah it says um go hard or suffer for the rest of your life probably paul chalimo so i mean spot on right there and, I mean, moving on to, I mean, the, the big races we've kind of generally touched on, but hoping to get kind of into the, in the nitty-gritty of those things. Um, you've had some, some pretty big meets um, in the past, most recently at Nike Nats. That we had a, you were crowned national champion of the 5K, running an impressive 1424, but that was not where the speed was. Previously before that, I'm not sure how early, but you ran 1404 at Battle Road. Holy smokes. Um, and before that, we had the DMR New Balance Nationals. We had the the BSR road, the the BSR mile, not the road mile. Um, and then, I mean, NXN running lane, various various meets that we could touch on here. But is there one national meet that stands out to you as like, I yeah, I killed that, or that was that was the meet that I want to remember from my high school time thus far? I mean, freshest in my memory, and just like knowing the feeling that it was like to 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 break the tape at Nike is something I'll never forget. I have the tape just over my bed now, just hanging there. So I look at it every single time I, I walk into my room and I, the biggest, so it was under the lights at Hayward field. I mean, I couldn't ask for any more just to <laughs> jog around it if I was able to, but to be able to race like a national meet, they asked all the spectators to, come from the stands and onto the track like lane like six through eight spectators were lining the entire thing they gave them cowbells and from the gun it was just like constant cheering and like i i led that race from i think after the first lap i took the lead and led it from there um and to have the crowd there in hayward it was one of the few chances i was really able to soak in the race while I was still running it. Um, the last hundred was the best feeling I've ever had. Um, just having like knowing I only have a hundred more meters and there's people just cheering for me like three feet away from me and seeing the green um, like line just over the finish line um, was one of the best feelings. It's so euphoric. Um, and then I guess Running with the team is like, and succeeding with my team is another great experience I've had at New Balance. We were able to get fourth in both the DMR and the four by eight. Um, and so the night of the, the DMR, I had run the two mile earlier and I think it was like a three hour difference. And I had to run the mile leg of, of the DMR. And just knowing that when I had the baton, like, the weight of all my teammates on my shoulders, like 
at them putting in so much effort in like Oliver Brandes in his twelve hundred leg, then Jalen in his four hundred and Owen um Dudley in his eight hundred leg and knowing that like I'm gonna have to run as hard as I can. Um and we did it and sharing like the medals and sharing the accomplishments with three of my teammates, another great feeling I've had. I mean, sweet. Um, I mean, I was wa- in, in preparation for this um, podcast, I was watching back the NXN meet and very, I mean, it, it, the commentators are very discreet and they're very particular about who they want to mention. And they, I mean, I was surprised that you didn't get much media time given that they seem to focus a lot on Devin Kipiego, who's obviously an incredible runner. But you you did come up victorious for the Northeast, being that you were, I believe, the number one finisher for the Northeast. But what was that experience like? And also, um, do you think you kind of defied the odds and the expectations of people who were kind of expecting you to do a little bit worse, given that you didn't have as much notoriety going into that race? I think, yeah, it started at NXR. I watched back the tape a little bit. And with like, I think it was like 800 to go um, at Wappinger. I sort of, I got dropped by Aiden and Kipiego and it was really funny the commentators were like they're like there goes Grievous like he's looking behind him he'll have to settle for the third place and I'm like oh <laughs> and it the finish I almost got Devin at the line and then like no one came to interview me after like I didn't get talked about at all and I mean that was okay um but I I knew going into NXN I had a great chance of just like showing my name like my name is gonna be on the results and it's going to be high up there. And so people are going to have to sort of talk about me. And that was sort of my goal. And it was <laughs> funny enough, I was Devin's roommate at uh, NXN. So we, we shared a room for three days. And that was really awesome. I got to talk to him. He's a really cool dude. And going into the, <laughs> going into the race, um, I mean, I knew the Northeast. We had a strong team, but with names... Uh, like they have the Youngs um, and like Cole Matheson and Aaron Solomon, just like taking like that's who the media focused on really going into it, uh, that we were going to have to show ourselves in the results and in our grit of like how good we actually are. Um, and Devin took it out hard. He was in it to he win it. Like he was leading for, I think, a full, like a full K or K and a half. And like I pass him with like 800 to go um but being able to finish i think 11th first um northeast finisher um was really great just to show like how good we are as individually and obviously cba um on the team they're they're great but yeah (laughs) yeah i just made sure that they they had to talk about me afterwards no that's awesome and I mean, when we're looking at the national standings here, I mean, there's not many 24s who are above your name. I mean, we're talking about maybe Daniel Simmons. I mean, a couple of other guys. But, I mean, given given the results, I don't think there's anyone who kind of is in that, like, conversation that, that would, like, fail to not mention your name. So that's, I mean, quite impressive. Good to put the Northeast on the map. Um, I mean, what was, I mean, especially racing out into Portland, um, what was that experience like with the whole um, preparation going into it? And do you think like Nike did a great job with it? And I mean, compared to other national meets like champs, I mean, what, what is um, like, how was that competition? That experience was like nothing else. Um, I think, I mean, going into it 
with, with training wise, um, because all my training, like the rest of the season was done at school with my team, like right after NXR, I was still at home. And so I had to do all my like competition workouts just by myself in a random park. But (laughs) when they flew us out to Portland, um, and like taking the bus over to the hotel that they had completely like rented out just for the athletes. We walked into like this huge NXN banner hanging from like the 14th floor down to like the third. Um, and they had the like hall all decked out with like a ping pong table, like TVs and this like 360 camera. It was, it was really cool. And especially what I, I liked is how with like the Northeast teams and I'm guessing with other teams, they had the athletes room together. And so we felt like a team going into the race. We had two days to really get to know each other. We did everything, the guys and the girls Northeast team did everything like as one. We went to Nike World headquarters, toured like Priest Hall, ran around the like the headquarters, went to Michael, I think it's Michael Johnson's track, the one in the in the forest, all as one team. Um, and so like going into the race, it felt like I was actually not just there by myself, like I was at running lane, but I was competing with seven, five, five was it? yeah, five individuals, five other guys who are my teammates in this race. Um, and I, yeah, Nike did a great job. I was there at champ, so I don't know really how that was. I'll have to ask Tam, but um, like Nike did great. And with their facilities, just, <laughs> I was always, I was in awe the whole time I was at, uh, the world headquarters yeah and i mean i'm eager to hear about the the battle road race given that that's a nationally that's 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 a pretty low-key meet i mean it's it's known amongst boston it's a big boston road series but um i mean how how did that 1404 kind of come to fruition is essentially what i'm asking i have i have no idea like going it like before the race i'm <laughs> i'm gonna be completely honest i so it was one day, ugh, like a couple days after we gra- or the seniors graduated and the underclassmen left um, from campus. So I was doing a couple workouts by myself on the track. And we were using this race sort of as a build-up um, or precursor for Nike. Because um, before that, I had just done Penn Relays, the 5K there, which was like running in a monsoon. It was windy and down it was a downpour so it wasn't really much of like the tactical 5k it's just everyone's gonna go out there and try as hard as they can to just cross the finish line so we're like battle roads is going to be a great opportunity to maybe run a fast time and also just get experience with running a 12 and a half lap race before that just doing 3ks and and two miles indoor so driving up there with my dad um it was it was pretty low-key uh, I met up with four other runner Exeter runners who were going there, and it was at Bentley University, um, and it, it's hosted by Battle Roads, uh, yeah, Battle Roads Track Club, great um, like post collegiate uh, running club. And but before that, I didn't really expect guys to be running really under fourteen twenty, and so it was a little chilly and and windy that day. So I knew I was gonna have to like maybe wear arm sleeves and 
it's not going to be ideal conditions for like what we want to do if we want to run a fast time, but just go out there and like I said, just try to be tactical with it. And so it was so funny. We get on the line and they had a pacer from Providence. I can't remember his name right now, but he's a stud. And he was saying, I'll be going out at, I think he said like 1410 pace. If you want to run with me, you can. Um, just letting everyone know that. And I was like, huh, that's nice. So that's what I did. And for like the majority of the race, I was like locked on the heel. I was in third for most of it, just locked on the heels of like these two guys who, I mean, he was running great splits, like maybe a couple seventies, but then picking it up slightly, getting us back to like 66. And it came to um, the guy in second who was, who was not the pacer. He was, he was still racing, started to fall off a little bit. And I mean, I don't even remember when I made this decision, but I just, I went around him and I think I still had a K to go. So three laps to really lead by myself at a pace I had never really like touched before in a 5k, trying to continually run 60, high 67 um, to finish and, and not just burn out. And so it was still windy. And I, by this point, I'd, I'd ripped my arm sleeves off and toss them um, in the infield to like the small crowd of runners who ended up being there. Um, and I just put my head down. I remember hearing Coach Nubold say, if we, if we really kick this, we'll get 14 O's. And I was like, what? What? Because um, I, was, I was really expecting for, like 14, 15, something in the, in the teens. And with, so I was leading uh, with, with like 1,200, uh, left and then 800 left and going into the bell lap um i i look behind me and i see the guy had passed a while ago starting to to make his way back up to me i'm like there's no way this is like i was at this point i was running as hard as possible but at 200 to go he's right on my shoulder i could feel him breathing and by this point i was i was running all out i think we closed in like 29 I closed in a 62 last 400. He closed in like a 59. And it was lights out. I I don't remember the last 50 meters. I don't know if I was like seeing anything, but just crossing the line and seeing like O next to the 14, I was it was it was incredible. Um my dad was right at the finish line. I run to him. He hands me this my like his phone and my mom is on the is on the phone and she's like how did it go and i was like i just finished like five seconds ago but i think it went well <laughs> and then there's there's a photo actually of like one of their like photographers took a photo with me going like this my dad holding the phone to my ear in his like rain jacket and like <laughs> it was it was a really cool experience um yeah, and I I was happy to walk because it was a couple weeks after the race. No one really said anything, and then my coach figured out like that it was a New England record Salazar had before that I broke, and then like a month after we realized it was the sixteen year old um, American record that Craig Version had from like the seventies, um, and I don't know. It was, it was really cool. It was, it reminded me of like those, that, that COVID 
sound runner races that they did where there weren't many people, but people just put their heads down and ran. I was grateful to have competition um, to push me to the line. Um, but yeah, I, I think it showed me that even if the conditions aren't like favorable or maybe it's, it's not a meet where there's like 200 fans watching you, like it can still be really exciting. And that's what it turned out to be. Yeah. Um, I just want to go back to Nike Nationals, uh, Outdoor Nationals, that is, um, you know, last year you finished, what, fifth, correct? Um, in the 5K and, you know, coming back to win, like, what what is that experience like? You know, I mean, you really, you surged up, I think, with 10 laps to go. Uh, around there, you really just dropped the pack. Um, it was a pretty good field at that, too. And, you know, just seeing you lead that all the way, um, you know, what's it like being there in the moment, under the lights, um, and then knowing, like, I'm going to win this, you know, coming back for, I guess, like your revenge tour, if, if that's what you want to call it. But, you know, what's it like having come back to win the 5K? I think I was talking to my coach before this, like before the race, um, like an hour before of just like how I'm going to run it. Um, last year, all I could do was just hang on. Uh, I didn't really take much of the lead um, at that point. Like I th- we ran 1436 and, and that was my PR. And it was all I could do just to hang on. Coming from Battle Roads, knowing that I had like a time, like I was, I was fit, especially in the five k. Knowing that I could take control of this race was definitely a, a confidence boost. But knowing I can't get complacent and like just sit back, um, and I didn't want to do that either. And so I felt that from the gun, I was, I think I, I believe it was Franco Apara who was in the race with me. We were talking beforehand. He really wanted to know like how I was going to run this. I just said it was going to depend on like how the race was going to progress. And it turned out we, I think we started out going in like a 71 or 70. And I was like, I could push this. I just want to push for a couple laps and see if there's anyone who can stick with me. And if not, I'm just going to keep going from there. Um, and that's how it turned out. And I just had to keep plowing. Um, and it was really nerve wracking to actually, I didn't think so. Like, at that point, looking back on like some of the videos um, and having the gap, but when I'm running, that that gap didn't really feel that big. I'm always I was scared. What did I make my move too much? Am I slowing down? I wasn't getting any splits. It was kind of lonely. Um, like, I'm, <laughs> even with like 200 to go, I I looked around my shoulder one more time because I wasn't sure if someone made like a magical kick um, or something, but. <laughs> Like, leading that whole thing gave me also experience now of just, like, how to lead the race with composure. Um, but going into the race, like, going back to the your question, I think my strategy, like, going into it was, like, making a surge at some point and, and testing the field out. Just doing a little test. That's what Paul Chalimo used to do as well. He would do little surges, um, like, and just see if anyone could keep up with him. Um, and that's... That's what happened, and it ended up working. I didn't want to leave it down to, to like just a all out flat kick, uh. So, yeah, and it was nice to that last one hundred just really take it in, um, as well. So, I mean, yeah, it was electric. I mean, me and my buddy Jake and Miles were on the track, and I mean, it was kind of interesting because people like, um, you'd be like, yeah, go Byron, like go, like let's go, people, 
and then there'd be like silence for like a good five or six seconds and then like everyone else starts cheering so it was it was an interesting experience for sure but i think in the moment it must have been like so electric especially under the lights so i mean i mean awesome race um i mean kind of a little more forward thinking and talking about like what's next for you like what are, what are some goals you have coming into the senior season have you thought about that at all um and just like what's next for you yeah so i mean right now i just came back from my two-week break so building that base up again summer training pushing my mileage a little bit just or not yet but at the end of the summer going into the fall um and knowing that i'm not going to really have to compete or competing at my highest isn't going to come until early december where i will hopefully be going to we'll be going to nxr hopefully as a team making nxn if not being able to compete there individually um i mean and really just going for it um like the podium is like where i can see myself and it's just seeing that like i know simmons is going to be there and just like just testing like just going for it um and so with cross country it's going to be cross country senior season so i mean not holding anything back i'm really looking forward to it uh and then i think like outside of that with um indoor um i'm not really too sure yet i guess um i have the goals like in terms of like times and things like that but it's also having the titles because people can always run faster than you if you win a race, like no one's going to take it from you. So it's knowing that like when I show up to one of these like national meets, I'm going like to win it. If even if I run a great time, like someone could run faster than me. But if I if I place first, like no one's going to take that. So hopefully like this year, I wasn't able to go to like Brooks PR. It'd be really cool to go out to Seattle and, and do that. Uh, the Hoka mile was electric. Um, so it'd be cool to to fly out for that. Um, but yeah, senior year is going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to break out the recruiting question too much, but like, I mean, how has that process been for you so far? And what have been some, I mean, some factors for you in your process? Yeah, I've been really fortunate, um, with the recruiting process, just with people being really open for questions and coaches being really inviting. And when I was on those officials, like living like the student athletes, getting all my questions answered from coaches and, and the student athletes. Um, and I, it started like, um, the summer going into junior year, just reaching out and emailing and whether this was like from my parents, also from me, just coming from Exeter is like looking for programs, um, where I'm still gonna be challenged academically as well as athletically. Um, and knowing I can handle, and balance really being a student athlete um, and looking at, at schools that value it, but also programs that value it. Not just like where the school is academically rigorous, but the guys are whatever. But like that hasn't, that didn't really happen when I was, when I was talking to coaches and with teams. And I'm really fortunate to like have like, gone to um on visits and yeah talk to talk to a lot of people and not just athletes like um students and just seeing their their perspective and, and their life outside of the school as well just like what it's like to to live 
Yeah. Um, our last last pod, uh, Henry Wynn said when he was getting recruited, he was looking for a really tight knit team culture, um, and that was basically the primary uh, factor in his recruiting process that he was looking for in teams. Um, would you say that the academics and um, athletic rigor balance is your primary factor, or um, you know what is your primary factor? The camaraderie is like always at the center of my mind. So I, sometimes I don't even think about it. Like if you're going to be, a, if you're going to call yourself a team, like you have to have a certain bond. Like it can't just be a cross country team and like outside of practice, these guys aren't even talking to each other. So I don't know, maybe that wasn't even on my mind, but because of like the culture that we have at Exeter, it's so important to me where it's almost like this is necessary or like this is not going to work out at all. Like I can't be, um, succeeding as an individual if like my teammates aren't having a good time or I don't see them succeeding in, in whatever their accomplishments are and so like the official visits were a big part in like just watching and, and noticing like how they interact with each other um, and with coaching coaching staff and just people outside the team and so I, that was also a big part um, and that really stems from the community that Coach Noble has built at Exeter and how important we, like, and, um, yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> how how important team culture is for us at Exeter, <laughs> how seriously we take it. No, that totally reads. And, I mean, last question before I kind of let you go here. Um, what is one thing that people, like, would not really expect to know from you, from Byron, or is it, like, a, a hobby or a skill or something you enjoy getting involved in that's not running? I'm a big cyclist. My whole family is. Um, just being outdoors and, and hiking. Um, but, I mean, besides, like, physical activity, I'm a big gardener, actually. Um, this this summer, we have we have a garden out in our backyard, and I've been tending it every, every day, um, hopefully getting a nice yield soon. But um, some herbs, some basil, cilantro, and then down there, we have uh, zucchini, um, lettuce, uh, like butter lettuce, red lettuce, uh, tomatoes, um, and hopefully some some flowers are going to start coming up. But I mean, that's a big thing recently. Um, and I don't know if you would nail me as a gardener, but yeah, that's, that's what, that's what, uh, has been, been fun recently when I, when I'm not running, <laughs> especially the two weeks that I was on break. Um, that was a big thing I was doing. Yeah, I don't think I would have would have pinned you as a gardener, but that's that's, that's dope, awesome. That's <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all the questions we've got for you, Byron. Where can people find you online on the World Wide Web? Any any shameless plugs? <laughs> yeah, on Instagram, you can find me at Byruns. Um, I mean, my Strava's private, but maybe maybe I'll make it public. It's it's also Byruns. Um, really, all my social media things are Byruns, um, but <laughs> Instagram is my biggest thing. Totally. Yeah. Well. Thank you, Byron, for taking the time. Um, Thank you for having me. We appreciate everyone for tuning in. This has been a blast to record, blast to hear. So we'll have this out shortly, and all the socials will be in the show notes. So thank you guys for tuning in. Miles, anything you want to say? No. Thanks, Byron, for coming on. Have a blast recording this one. Yeah.